0: Hey, it's Beth here, episode 451, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, um, New York Times was really terrific today. I mean, I really learned things like, did you know Cheryl Hines from Curb you Enth- Your Enthusiasm is married to Bobby Kennedy Jr. who was running for president? Where have I been? Living under a rock, I suppose, I had no idea and uh, she's getting very excited about the the fact that he could run for president. She doesn't agree with everything he says. She's crazy about the guy and uh, she thinks she'd make a good first lady. The whole country loves her. She kind of interprets for him. You know, things he says that are a little bit too much. She reels him back in. I mean, she's like, uh, you know, Nancy Reagan with much better hair or something. I just can't believe it. Cheryl Hines. As if she wasn't busy enough. They've been married since, like, uh, 2012 or something. She's 57. He's 69. She has a daughter, and she has a little company with her daughter. Her daughter is adorable. This is what she wants to do with her life. Larry David got them together, and he is not... He's endorsing the marriage, but not his run for presidency. So that's kind of funny. But, wow, that one shocked me. I thought I was keeping up, but no, I wasn't. Okay, so then, so then there was this other one. And I have known these friends of my children who have been so impacted by their parents' marriages that they never want to get married, and they're too scared, and they want to be sure. They want to live with someone for 20 years before they get married, just to make sure it's gonna be all right. And I couldn't understand it until I read this article. It's ca- called sensing that your marriage is on thin ice. Okay, so, she saw that this woman, that this woman saw that her husband was taking up ice skating. Okay, that's weird. Um, her, her chi- their child was ice skating and then the child stopped and he kept ice skating, which is kind of weird. And it made this girl, it shadowed her child memory of her parents divorce now this is what got me about the article okay so it's so weird her what went wrong for her parents was that her father forged a connection with her mother's best friend ah, and ended up marrying her the girl was 11. the relationship began when they discovered shared interest and decided to build a sailboat together from a kit so this poor little 11 year old is watching her father and her mother's best friend go into the basement and build a ship together so it was long and it probably seemed fine and it left a lasting impression I forgot that for these children they're living with the precursor to the trouble before the trouble happens which does leave an, an indelible mark. So within a year, this, this girl's father and the mother's best friend were newlyweds and they sailed off in their hand yune sailboat. Can you imagine? I mean, what was the best friend thinking? Oh my God, this, this is catastrophic. So of course she was really scared. And so when she got to 15 years together with her husband, she was getting nervous um, because, you know, I guess that's a, that's a rough time. So the guy's ice skating, and she's expecting trouble. So within a month, he says this thing, just in passing, Ricky told me I, I should invest, invest in a pair of skates. She goes, oh my God, Ricky. And then he says, Ricky has a side business selling high-end dog food. So she looks at herself, and she's in the mirror. She goes, this is how it ends. Mark leaves me for Ricky, who ice skates and sells dog food. Okay, so she calls up her mother on the on the other coast. Her mother says, come visit. Her mother, uh, kind of not understanding the situation, throws her wedding album at the daughter, and she says, if you don't take this, I'm throwing it in the trash. She looks at it. She gets this feeling. There's a moment, a picture, where they're looking at each other embarking on the rest of their lives. So she goes home, and she wants to give her husband another chance, okay? So she gives her husband another chance, and she finds out that, that he's also a makeup artist. Ricky is all. He's a renaissance guy. He's a makeup artist. He does dog food, and he ice skates. The guy's amazing. So she says, oh, my God, now I know it's a man and my whole, my marriage is just gonna go up in smoke. Mark leaves me now for Ricky who ice skates, sells dog food, and can accentuate cheekbones. Mark begs her, the wife, the husband begs her, please come and see me ice skate. She goes, is Ricky here? Where's Ricky? Where's Ricky? Where's Ricky? He's not there. Mark pushes off from the wall, trips, lands on his head I mean I would have I don't know she's very patient and she goes up to him and uh, you know holds his head and feels real sorry I'd be like a little bit like I don't know I'd have a moment where I'd be like hmm Ah, I gotta rein that in but but, uh, oops real sorry for you where's Ricky anyway what happens is he stops ice skating and he starts riding a bike and she realizes that that's better, because Ricky's not there. And he tells her, all I was trying to do was impress you. So we'll never really know what Ricky was or what happened. But she got to the point where she was married longer than her parents, which happens with these kids. And she goes, phew. And now she just loves them. And she's really happy. He bikes, r- bike rides alone. He's not in a group. That's what she wants. Just go by yourself. So, then there was this other thing where, in The Vows, this guy, this amazing guy named Nick, is watching The Bachelor with his best friend, which I think is kind of odd for a guy to do. But what do I know? Season 23. And there's this girl, and her name is Sydney, and she's on it. He looks at her, and and he thinks, wow, she's gorgeous. She decides to opt out of the show. I don't know why, but she does. He Instagrams her. I mean, this guy thinks he's really something. And they start talking, and she Instagrams him back. Now, she says that she she had a bunch of jobs, okay? But one of them was a dancer for the Knicks, a basketball team. She tells this guy, I never had a boyfriend before in my life. He believes her. She's in her 30s, okay? That's how great this guy is. They get together. They get married. And then we find out that when he was going, he was in his junior year of college, he dove into a swimming swimming pool and cracked his head, dislocated and fractured two of his vertebrae. He was instantly paralyzed from the neck down. There was a guy in a hot tub really nearby. He got him out and he protected his neck. He was six feet tall, 200 pounds. Okay, so. What happened was, within four days, he's fully recovered. This guy's amazing. He hardly, he's just got a little tiny limp, nothing, no big deal. So they get married, and this is what he says. This is why I love this guy, okay? He says, at the wedding, which was beautiful, and it was supposed to rain, and it didn't, which is a good sign. He said, the amount of love surrounding Sydney and I was almost overwhelming at times. I have only felt that level of love at one other time in my life, when I was in the hospital after my injury. It's crazy to think that the best day and the worst day of my life felt exactly the same. Oh, I hope they, I just hope they're happy forever. Okay, so then there's this woman, and she is my age. This, today, Bobby Kennedy, 69, this woman is 69. She is raising three young children. Jordan, Jax, four, five, and nine. I mean, and the little one, the, she's, she's a little girl. And when she was born, she came out screaming. She was a breech birth. She didn't want to be born. She could not stop crying when her mother left. Her mother and father just left because they were drug addicts. And she, she never can stop crying. She, the mother says born breach, she has never, she was never intended to leave her mother, so this woman every day is fighting this for years, she's got, I never thought about, I thought about these grandmothers that take over and raise their children, grandmothers and grandfathers, but I never thought of how she gets punished and yelled at by the kids, Um, they've locked her out of the car, they want their mother back. They, they're, they're so young, they think she took them away from the mother. Oh my God, and she works day and night, and she was supposed to be retired. She was supposed to be able to sleep in the morning and not go out on rainy days. Anyway, I never thought about how really, really hard, the emotional and aspects of it. Okay, Jim Gaffigan, that funny guy, right? Okay, he's real funny. He's real rich and he's real funny, all right? So he goes writing. It's the first question to ask him. It's very important for me to have consistent access to a feeling of cre- creative fulfillment. As a stand-up comedian, comedian, it can be coming up with a new line or a whole new topic, or it can be writing a CBS Sunday morning commentary. It's nice if it's embraced, but you did it for yourself. It is so much more important than accolades or monetary gain. Jim, stop it. Stop it. That's how people talk when they've had accolades and monetary gain. Don't say that to people. It is horrible to have written 20 screenplays and sold none of them. It is horrible to have no accolades and no monetary gain and to do it for creativity and for yourself. It is horrible. I just wish Successful people would stop talking like that. It just drives me out of my mind. Okay, so then, there's one more. And this is another 69-year-old who I have read about for years, and I've read her books, Joyce Maynard. Okay, so she says that there was one thing that, okay, 30 years ago, she was crushed, more than 30 years ago. She was crushed by the world, and crushed by a man. Okay, that was J.D. Salinger, and she lived with him. She was in college, first semester, and she wrote this funny article for the New York Times, which was something like, you know, how to succeed without succeeding, well written. She got some letters, but she got letters from J.D. Salinger, you know. And he was 53. So, catch her in the rye. He tells her, quit school, come and live with me. She's 19. Her parents are actually like, wow, wow, that's amazing. She goes off and lives with him, drops out of school, loses everything she had, including a scholarship. And within nine months, he's kicked her out. And years later, she writes about it, way before Me Too. So this is how far we've come in this world, all right? So 30 years ago, she writes about it, and she gets all these horrible letters and commentaries and people on the streets saying that she was a gold digger and horrible, and why did she have to write that? And she says that's how far we've come, but it was horrible being her. So what she did was, she said that she packs three must have items when she travels. These are the the things that give her strength. And it started 30 years ago when she needed to have kind of armor on. One is a blue sequin dress that she got for $35 in a vintage store in Portland, Maine, back in the 90s. The lining is silk and it's a shade of electric blue. And the label says Paris. I've never seen a label say Paris dress fits as though it was made for her it's hard to get the zipper up but she does it and she says I am freed briefly from the cloak of invisibility that women are my age 69 and up often seem to wear so we wear this cloak of invisibility which is kind of true when I'm in my little blue sequin number it's darn near impossible to write me off Then she's got this other thing. I don't know where she's traveling. It must be Paris or, I don't know, Morocco or something, because she's got this little blue dress. She's 69, and now she's wearing these cowboy boots. Well, um, I think is how you say it. Cowboy boots with tooled roses on them. She purchased them. She got them 30 years ago, same time exactly. Were sold twice. They are still going strong. At the time, she found them in Austin. That's possible I've seen stores they seemed an extravagant amount of money $800 30 years ago more than she had ever paid for an item of clothing but once she slips them on her feet once she gets her little feet in those boots she understands their worth when I put them on I feel powerful that's what she says wow okay I I have never had the courage to do that to, and I'm right in Texas, you'd think I could get away with it. Even 30 years ago, 40 years ago when I was in Texas, I couldn't do it. So she does have a certain amount of magic about her. The final piece in my travel triumvirate is a trim vintage jacket, perfectly cut velvet leopard print. She said, I can wear it with anything so long as I steer clear of desserts and bread. I always know when I put it on that I am two croissants, croissants, away from trouble. I appreciate the reminder this woman doesn't have an ounce of body fat on her. Not one, okay? So her homemade cowboy boots bring back the eve of her 43rd birthday when I took a trip, oh yes, when she visited that famous powerful man decades older. So She'd been courted by him hard for twenty-five years ago. She doesn't mention his name, but it is J D. Salinger, I guarantee you that. She was she was wearing her boots, and she just took them on. She knocked on the door. She had the strength of the boots. She wanted to confront him. That day, no day, doubt came from within. She let him have it. She told him what she thought, and the boots, she says, helped her. So those boots, every time she looks at them, she thinks that she, she slayed her, her dragon. The person that got her when she was just 19. That kept her down. She went right after him and she let him have it. He was probably 79 years old. which um, Or maybe 90. I don't know. But anyway, she took him on. So that is good. Okay, so then she had this other thing happen. Yes, when she wore those crazy movie star boots and the movie star dress. Okay, so here she is. She's in St. Louis. This is how powerful our clothes are. I don't have clothes like this. One night in St. Louis, the tour coincided. She was on this book tour because she writes books, right? And they're very good. And actually, she wrote this book she was married to a guy, her second husband. She loved him. And he died six years ago, and it's very touching. She's actually a sweet person. But here's what happened. One night in St. Louis the tour coincided with the monthly live appearance of the beloved St. Louis native at a club close to where she was speaking. That night she put on the blue dress, the number, the Maid in Paris. And the artist she's speaking of was Chuck Berry. The great rock and roller was in his late 80s at the point, at this point Maybe his voice was off a little, but he could dance. He was wearing a red, white, and blue sequin jacket with one of his daughters alongside him in a sequin dress, just like hers, only red. When that daughter spotted her in the crowd, she invited Joyce up. Joyce came on stage, and she danced with her and her father. That's how powerful this dress is. So she calls them my three easy pieces, and she doesn't go anywhere without them. She stays away. I mean, she can't, she can't, when she goes to Kansas City, she can't have too much barbecue. She has to be able to zip these numbers up. And she's gotten older and it's not as easy as it was. This is what she does. This is my favorite part of this story. Oh my God, I forgot. Okay. So now I love this woman. This is what she decided to do when she does go to Kansas City or somewhere else and she overeats, which she loves to do. She says. What she does is the task of zipping up the sequin dress gets tougher and tougher. So she hit upon the idea of stretching it over a wastebasket padded with pillows in her hotel room. <laughs> it goes great! That helped and she could slide the zipper up again and still breathe. The second challenge was taking off the cowboy boots after she's had too much to drink. She hasn't quite nailed how to do that yet but she's lying on the bed and she just raises her feet and hopes maybe some of the blood'll go away and she get get them off with a boot jack which she asks for when she when she enters every hotel if she's bringing these shoes and it's a food with it's a town with good food she's got she's got the pillow the waste paper basket and the jack the, you know to get out of these shoes it is so funny so then she says okay she's been writing okay so this so now she's writing um, from Paris. She's she's living there. She's so lucky. She's doing a residency for the Shakespeare and Company. Oh my gosh! She's writing a book about it. In line with other, tra- with other travel commandments, she travels light. But she brings her boots and she must spend much of her day at the desk. But at night, I want to walk along the Seine and explore the Latin Quarter and I'll be wearing my rose boots. Whenever I go, people look at my feet and then they smile at me after they smile at my feet. I'm like, I don't think anyone's ever smiled at my feet, especially now that I've got bunions. But this is what she does, and she she has found um, people to help her get her boots off. She calls them the jack of all trades, and she's got this boot jack and she calls these guys who help her get her boots off. In the middle of the night, women do do it too. If she's stuck in a room and she can't get them off, she calls the jack of all trades, and they come to her room. She said, they say to her, so many people have, have done so many worse things. This is fine. She gives them a nice big tip, and they go away, and they never talk about it. She's blabbing her mouth here because she thinks it's funny, and I do too. That's cute, I do love that, but The stretching her dress over a wastebasket padded with pillows in her hotel room is genius. Absolute genius. To stay in your dress that you got in the 90s, and she's a little bit, you know, uh, waistier. She's got more of a waistline. What do we call it? You know, that stuff. That that barrel stomach waste thing that happens when you go through menopause. She's got it, but she still wears that dress. and she gets that those pillows to look like that barrel. She stretches the dress out and she's ready to go. She puts the boots on, but she can't get them off, and she's ready to go. And I think she's wonderful. I just think she's wonderful. sixty nine and ready to go. So that was my week, and you know it wasn't the best, wasn't the best week for the New York Times, but it wasn't the worst either wasn't the best of times and it wasn't the worst of times. It was a time. So I'll be back and stay sane. Thanks.